I'm going to ask everyone has got their own microphone, so I'm going to ask everyone to do a quick, and this is my favorite part that I get to be traffic cop, um, I'll do a little introduction um, to our time together, but I'm going to ask everyone to do a quick 30 second or so um, introduction name and a couple of fun things or title, important stuff like that, role. Go ahead. Anyone. Sorry, you, Denise. My name's Denise O'Donohue, and I serve as the Director of Women's Life at Southeastern Seminary, and I'm on faculty uh, in the Ministry to Women program. Um, I'm married to my husband, Rod, and we will celebrate our 40th anniversary this year. You all should gasp at that point, because I can't look that old. I'm Selma Wilson, and I serve on the executive leadership team at LifeWay. Uh, I am over the people of LifeWay, which is kind of fun. And I've been on the executive team now for five years at LifeWay. My husband, Rodney, and I have been married 39 years, and I'm like you. We just so young. And uh, uh, two children and three precious grandchildren. I have pictures if you want to see them. So. Hello, my name is Alicia Horton, um, wife of one, uh, mom to three, um, and right now I'm currently serving just as a road manager, executive director of my husband's ministries and, and being his road manager, booking manager, stylist I would say, <laughs> and um, just trying to do everything I can to uh, uplift him and what God is doing in his work. So, Do you contract out as a stylist because I could use one? <laughs> I just might think okay. about that. Okay, would, that would be great. Okay. Uh, I'm Kathy Litton, and I've only been married six years, so I'm like a newlywed up here. Yeah. But anyway, um, I married a pastor when I was 19 years old and entered ministry as a ministry wife and became widowed um, when I was 45. And then I was single for seven years and served on, church, on a church staff. Uh, I remarried a uh, pastor six years ago uh, this summer, and so I worked for the North American Mission. With that, be, with that behind me, uh, that experience of being single and doing life in ministry and, and being married as a ministry wife, I work for the North American Mission Board leading a national ministry for pastor's wives. Thank you. I'm Lizette Beard. I'm on staff in Lifeway in Nashville. I'm on, I work for the Lifeway research team. I'm project manager and I do um, focus groups, qualitative research interviews. I'm also a doctoral student, Lord willing, still am, at <laughs> Southeastern, and um, have had a tremendous um, experience there. And so I'm single, but I have two adorable dogs and that I haven't seen in weeks and weeks because of travel. Um, but um, very excited to have you all here. I'd like to start with just a couple of things. Um, we can call them ground rules or um, uh, just an explanation so we know where we're at in in this conversation um, part of the goal is Amy and I discussed this and I know this was her um, one of her desires was when we talk and I believe I've heard this echo in some of our conversations sometimes um, women in a conservative or you want to say complementarian um, denomination or organization or hold those views they're sometimes a little apologetic or nervous about using the word leadership. So we wanted, part of this is just giving permission to have the conversation and saying leadership. Um, regardless of complementarian, egalitarian, and I'll, I'll speak oh so briefly about that for anyone who's a little mystified or confused by those terms. Um, 
But either one, women lead. They lead in the home, they lead in the workplace, they lead with their children, they, they lead in their communities. So women lead, and one of the things that we want to talk about are the opportunities, um, the things that we need to do uh, to be best prepared for that, and also finding our place and our comfort zone in that. So um, our, the group, one of the things that I spoke with them about today is um, we're a, we hold a lot of the same views, and so I've asked them to shake it up a little bit. I've asked them to, <laughs> to jump in. If they find anything that they disagree on, it's going to be a pretty minor point, but to be very comfortable with each other, because some, sometimes when panels agree too much, you're like, oh, that was really sweet, but I need, I need something. So I'm hoping... She did tell us to argue that, <laughs> that it was going to be okay. Yes, and so, um, but we're um, unapologetically complementary and conservative in those evangelical beliefs. And um, for anyone, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't learn all of those terms. So for me, it was a very slow discovery process. And um, I almost made some really unfortunate decisions just because I didn't know. So I want to set the table for, um, in the full spectrum, complementarians and, even, uh, and egalitarians um, would be in the, for the most part, the evangelical group of believers. So there's an even broader group, if we circle it out a little bit more, of those who um, would hold views that we wouldn't consider evangelical, but we would still say, for the most part, are, would, they would be believers. Um, we would share views about scripture, those kind of things. And then it can get even wider um, on, on folks that we would really disagree with on views on scripture, some, some core, uh, core fundamental doctrines, and then even broader, you'd have other religions, non-believers. Oh, can I get the water? <laughs> I've now made you my assistant. <laughs> Did you see me lead there? And so I'm just very nervous about this. I just feel like there is no win. Okay, I know. <laughs> Get it. There is no way that it's well. So if I can bring that back in, so we've got everybody, then we're bringing it into um, folks who may claim the name Christian, but we have some huge disagreements. And then there'd be folks that we would call believers, but then there'd be a lot. We would have just some differences, and then we'd shrink it down. And this is not super technical. Don't write a paper on what I'm saying. Um, Lauren, please do not tell um, your man that this is my description. But then among evangelicals, you'd have egalitarians, complementarians. And I really encourage you, if that is some confusing terms, this is a smaller circle where we have so much in common. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. But a key difference would be the view of um, men holding the role of senior pastor, men in the role of elder or leading board in the church. Um, also, some, there's, there's much more to it uh, in, in the description. I encourage you, there's some great books out there, I think. Um, well, there's, there's some very good ones. If, if that's an area you're interested in, it's worth taking the journey. It's not worth becoming all-consumed and misplacing the gospel, misplacing the grand narrative of scripture, and getting those things out of whack. So I, I wanted to make sure we understood that, and 
um, we found a safe place there. One, for those of you who've never navigated that before, I know what it's like to think, what are all these words people are using? And um, if, if you have questions like that and want to come up, I'd be more than happy to talk about that. So, so I didn't want to take too long on that, but I felt that it was important. Um, so as I said, one of the things we want to accomplish today is giving permission to talk about it and not letting others define us um, by the extremes. Um, wherever you hold that, um, sometimes if there's only a couple of voices, they can take away the permission to have the conversation. So that's one of the objectives today. To begin, um, I want to just ask Kathy, there you're right there. Um, you, you talk about in the women that you work with, sometimes the reticent or reluctant leader, that they're just, they may, they may have even not even shown up today or they were drugged here by someone because they didn't even like that name because they don't want it. I mean, primarily I think about ministry-wise of, of all kinds. Sometimes they are hesitant to identify themselves as a leader. That's not something that many, and others perceive themselves that way, but many do not. And I really gently often try to tell them that whether they like it or not, I mean, I always say when, when I married Rick Ferguson and I slipped that wedding ring on my finger, I had influence in my life. And really at 19, I was not ready to wear that influence, but it was bestowed upon me automatically in the role. And so uh, if we can understand that we have that influence slash and or leadership whether we like it or not it's there and i just really gently try to encourage them don't run from that don't don't thwart that idea just embrace it and obviously some are much more robust leaders than others but their role itself contains that element and if they would accept it and leverage that. Laura used the word leverage yesterday in her talk. Leverage that opportunity, that platform God's given them to advance the gospel. It would be good for them. So. And I want to thank you for lecturing us on sound bites and not paragraphs before we started. Because, <laughs> was that a paragraph? <laughs> oh, oh, okay, no, sorry. Was great. That was actually very good. Selma, talk to that. Talk about, she was talking about the reluctant. I want you to talk about the, um, the fearful, the, the ladies you talk to who are fearful. Yes, I do think um, this conversation's so good. And one of the beautiful things about us in this room is we have a different starting point. We're united in Christ. We're kingdom women. Our objective in this conversation is very different than it is in the world. I mean, uh, we, we just have a different starting point. And I love that. And that's why we can have this conversation. Uh, yes, uh, I think sometimes uh, women are fearful. Uh, uh, Lynette, you, you, uh, Lizette, you've done the research, and I've done a lot of focus groups with women. We're a lot alike. Insecurities, uh, we bring those to the table, but our confidence comes from Christ. Uh, I mean, we die to ourselves, and then we step up, and God has gifted us. Every one of us have a story, uh, the redemptive story of Christ in our life, and because of that, we're called. We're called out to lead. I mean, you come up with another word. Uh, I love that, Kathy, what you said. Leadership is about influence. And all of us, the cry for us to step up to influence the world with the truth of the gospel has never been greater. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so this is a common calling. It will show up differently uh, because of our stories, our giftedness. But ladies, we need to step up. Uh, 
the world needs Jesus. And we are all in different places of influence. And I love how God works. And I'm doing a paragraph. Sorry. Uh, I get but carried I'm away. But I'm afraid of being I get a, I get a, Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, we, everything comes from Scripture. The, the fear that you may have. What does Scripture tell us? Uh, we don't have to be afraid in Christ. Uh, our greatest danger is to forget who God is and forget the truth of the gospel, ladies. And so it's a wonderful conversation. It's a good place. But the time is now. In every generation, God puts his people, and we are the ladies for this time. And we have more opportunity than ever before in the world. So it is time for us. Thank you. Yes. That was a paragraph. Yes, that's all right. Um, In your bags that you'll be getting after you fill out the survey, um, you'll uh, there's a note here about Selma's blog on leadership, and also follow her on Twitter. Um, though I, I'd like to see her antagonizing a little bit more. She needs, you know, spice it up just a little bit. But I may not be the best barometer for, <laughs> for that. But um, I do want to say one of the things um, as you listen to Selma, and I don't, I don't know everyone equally as well, so I, I want to be careful here. But as, as Selma steps up, when she talks about that, my, probably one of my favorite things is if at Lifeway um, there's a... It's a very healthy communication culture. It's a very healthy, good place to be. But I've noticed occasionally if there's been a slight misstep or if there's some more difficult topics that have to come from the ELT, um, they come from Selma. And the emails will come. And I texted her the other day and I said, nobody else wanted to send that email, did they? (laughs) And they said, let's go. Because one of the things Selma has done has built, she has built up so much relationship credibility um, and she has she has been there done that and and she so many people respect her so um, she has stepped up over and over and over again that um, uh, that was just one of my fun things and and she affirmed that I was I was maybe onto something so that's one of the things <laughs> um, also Amy could you tell us um, I'll just be occasionally yanking Amy up to tell us about kingdom diversity um, at Southeastern I think I was hoping there was was there a flyer in there or uh, no, it's, not, it's not it's disgusting oh okay all right yeah we um yeah. Oh, I guess so. Yes. Uh, one of the things that we've done, and this uh, gets seen in a lot that we talk about and in some of our materials at Southeastern, is a couple of years ago, our president really set out a vision that we want to reflect um, the fullness of the kingdom, that we want to really show the diversity that clearly is um, is what the Lord has set out and what we see Uh, heaven will look like we want the church to reflect that and so uh, when he set this out he said uh, we're not just going to say that it's okay for people who maybe have been historically underrepresented or groups who have been historically underrepresented at our campus it's okay for them to come we're going to actually pursue that and so we've done that through some scholarship opportunities through some just active student recruitment and um in the excuse me in the booklet on the table that just shares a lot about that um there is a page in that that discusses it uh, but there's also in those goals that we set out it goes a lot to ethnic minorities and um 
groups, but also one of the goals is that we would uh, be 35% female uh, by 2022. And so we are working actively to, to go after that goal because we want to reflect diversity of experiences, everything, and, and all that. So. All right. So that, that you have that handy on your table. Um, Alicia. When um, you were alert and ready, I love that. Um, With no coffee, too. And I know. Oh, goodness. Um, so, Kathy has a word, I want you to wait, but I, Kathy has a word, catalytic leadership, that I think uh, making an impact as a leader. Talk about when you, and, and you make a tremendous impact, but one of the things I, I learned about you when we spoke was the ways you saw opportunities that came up making an impact um, in the workplace. Um, so the Lord has blessed me to be uh, the on both sides of the fence. So I was actually in the career um, field and working on trying to um, make some advances in that. Um, but I also had a burning desire to be at home. And um, one of the things, so when my husband first started to uh, throw the idea about church planning, I'm like, okay, how are we going to be financially supported with that? And we kind of had those ideas of what that would look like, but not practically what that would look like for our family. And so um, literally a month after giving birth to my second my second daughter, um, I had a, an, an urge to you know go look into the workforce to see kind of what uh, that would look like to carry the insurance for our family because we were going to be stepping away and he was going to be starting everything from scratch. And so on, upon that, I took it on and was like, yeah, I'm going to do this and, and I'm going to support my family this way. But then I began to grow weary and wanting to be at home, wanting to take care of my daughter, wanting to have those times and those precious moments that I wouldn't get back. And so I grew kind of bitter in that. And the Lord really had to open my heart because um, I was placed in a position of having uh, some, uh, some great education that I got from uh, the Bible college that I went to and um, was really put in um, a, a good position to be an influencer. But I didn't look at it that way at first. I was like, man, God, you know, I'm here and I'm really, really, really wanting to be at home. But then the Lord put me up on game on some, some really good insight. And it was, he took me through the book of Colossians again and helped me to understand why I was there. And that it was not the fact that I needed to be there to um, be a people pleaser, you know, to show the, the the skills and the things I had going on for myself, but to, was really there to serve the Lord. And when I had that in my mind to understand what that fully meant, doing my work became so much more joyful and I had more purpose in that. And when I saw that, I was like, okay. And I started making connections with some people, um, really being an influencer. And I stopped and said, okay, what can I do now to be more of an influencer? And I started inviting people to pray with me at the break room. And I just started to really encourage people. And I mean, everywhere I went, I saw purpose in what God had me there for. And I was like, wow, I can make an impact. Even if I am stuck at my, my desk, you know, for, you know, eight hours or seven hours out of the day, I have a break, you know, I have some lunch breaks and I have the few breaks that I have and I'm going to make those purposeful so I can really try to impact the people that are there around me because that's my mission field. And that's what I want to encourage you, you, you ladies today is that no matter where you're at, if you're in the home or if you're in the workforce, you, that is a mission field. I mean, just as much as our, 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 the people in the world needs Jesus, so do our babies at home. They are disciples. And so I just really felt led by the Lord to make an impact in that way while I was in the workforce for that season. And you actually had the opportunity sharing the gospel, okay. those kind of things. So tell us, I mean, go on a little bit more about that. And so um, there was quite a few ladies that I worked with. I mean, 
unregenerate, had no idea about the gospel, or they had an idea about the gospel and, and what Jesus, what, who Jesus was, but not a full understanding. So basically taking the time to just, you know, on the, the breaks that I had or just in conversation. I mean, you can really turn a conversation differently when you drop the name Jesus, yeah. you know, or you don't laugh at a joke that's inappropriate, you know. And so with that, I just begin to just notice how quickly I can make an influence by just being silent and just seeking to serve people and then when I had the people off on one-to-one, you know, I kind of attacked them when they're by themselves. And I said, hey, you know, you know, I noticed you said this, you know, I noticed that you're, you know, wrestling with this. Have you ever thought about, um, you know, going to church and, 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 and meeting, you know, meeting Jesus? And having those opportunities to do that, I promise you, was so fulfilling to me. I mean... I, I missed lunch break several times, but it was worth it because I was able to share pieces of the gospel with people and then see people come to know Christ with that. And so, um, yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah. Lizette, well, I just want to jump in right here because Yay. what Kathy said about um, being a reluctant leader and what Alicia, Alicia has just shared is a, just a real example of leadership to me because we're all called to fulfill the Great Commission, right? Everybody can agree on that. I think that we're all called to make disciples. And one of the things that Paul says is, follow me as I follow Jesus. And that's exactly what we're talking about right here. And that is a leader. You can't have somebody following you and not be a leader. And so we, we just need to bring it down to that level. That That's what we're talking about. We, we don't, we're not saying let's all go out and conquer the world and be CEOs. We're talking about let's bloom where God has planted us. That's great. Thank you. Um, either Kathy or Denise, talking about um, in the different roles that you've had or what you see with women, the different types of impact. Kathy, if you want to talk about that catalytic idea. The idea of being a catalyst, I think that we think, when we think of leadership, we think of structures and systems. Mm -hmm. But the gospel is moved by movements. I mean, Jesus was very catalytic because he, well, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's start there. But but the movement came not in structures, but, I mean, the gospel moved through movement. And catalytic are something that causes, the catalyst causes, something to move and to change and so I see women in our denomination that there's a lot of catalytic leadership and we're all in different domains we've got lifeway people and publishing and writing and, and all the journalism and all those things we have seminary with education and theology we have people that work then there's some women here that work in youth ministry you're a catalytic leader in your dom- domain we have it ethnically we are seeing uh, the great leaders come Coming out of our ethnic population, SBC, there are catalytic leaders there. And so we value that, and there's no structure to that because it is a movement. And I travel a lot across North America. I see the catalytic young church planners' wives that they're collecting their little tribe and being very powerful in those situations. And I mean, I celebrate that. And so mm-hmm. we get to see it. a lot of things, we do. don't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, we do. Yeah. It's beautiful. Denise, you've had this fascinating spectrum. Um, I I was stunned. I mean, you went from receptionist to software developer to project lead to owning your own business. And then, I mean. Carly Fiorino. Yes. So so tell us about the some of the stages of impact, Um, you know, maybe one or two. Okay. Um, Well, I could think, you know, kind of like what. Um, Alicia shared when I had um, my position in the corporate setting I was able to um, lead Bible studies 
um, just invite anybody. Just say, I'm going to be doing this at lunch. Would you like to come and join us for a Bible study? And we took something very simple from the book of John and just sat down and talked about it and just kind of made it very casual and easy to do. But then I think another thing that really impacted me kind of after the fact, and it goes along with uh, a little bit along with my earlier comment, is the fact that people would uh, start to seek me out. And there would be this, you're, you're a Christian, right? So, you know, they had been observing something that set that out. And then they would proceed to ask questions about what it is they uh, were concerned about or maybe trying to understand this thing about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so um, just those instances where you have that opportunity. And again, you know, I didn't consider myself as a big leader in that area. But in that moment... I became the leader for those people that were seeking after Jesus. And that was really what was my important job. The other stuff was what paid the bills. And so it was really good to have the opportunity to do both. Uh, one of the thought that occurred to me was, uh, do you watch Big Bang Theory at all? Have you? <laughs> when, when my children come home for a okay. visit, so I watch it with I, them. This is, I'm, I'm convinced that your IT experience Working with, in that development, when, when I wasn't even all that active on email, I mean, you were in some pretty phenomenal development stages when things were changing rapidly, and you were working with, you cannot tell me you weren't working with Big Bang Theory type guys. So then jump ahead and you're in classes with doctoral students, seminary guys, who are, I believe, somewhat similar. And so how, how did that help you? navigate that or, or did it I mean or is that just a little something in my head that's I've made the connection I'm going to take a different bent on okay that that's fair <laughs> that's <good>. I know. <laughs> you know I think back um and I did work mostly with men um in my uh software engineering days that's just what? the makeup of the environment that I was in but one of the things that I was able to do, and I feel I feel very honored that I was able to do this, and this gets back to your point. Um, I don't know how many of you in here are married to men like this, but um, they're very devoted to their computers. <laughs> they spend lots of time with their computers, and so they would work all day doing the projects that we were working on, and then I would find out, I would be getting emails from them in the middle of the night, and they would come in first thing in the morning, and they'd say, I figured this out last night, and they're talking about it. And so I would have to just kind of pull them aside and say, look, you have a wife, and you have three children, and you need to be focused on your wife and your children when you're home. And I took every opportunity to point that out to them. I don't know how much of a difference I made. These guys were kind of nerdy. And um, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's what you were yeah. trying to say. You were yeah. just being really nice oh, about no, it. No, I mean, um, <clears throat> that yeah. It was their world. And so, you know, just being able to gently remind them that it wasn't all about work, that they needed to um, bring their fam be, be present with their families when they were home. Okay. Can I inject, this is random, and Susie uh, and Donna May, we've heard a little conversation about a woman that had gone to a leadership event. This is from Amy. And this was not a Christian leadership event, but women, it was for women primarily. But she was talking about some discoveries that have been made with research that they're learning this in the, in the corporate world that we don't want to just train women to lead like men because they've had a difficult work-life balance thing. Mm -hmm. And that in the business world, help me with this, they're beginning to value care mm -hmm. 
Now, think about that a second. She was talking about the, their understanding the value of care. Now, that's not a gender statement necessarily, but look, think about what Paul talks about in Thessalonians. Like, I nurtured you like a mother and I exhorted you like a father. It's like he's valuing care in there as a pastoral leader. But I just thought that was really interesting uh, that in the corporate setting, they understand that the work-life balance that she just talked about there has not been good for men and it has really helped them even as leaders. You'll also find in here, in, in here, in the bag you don't have yet, but you'll get once you fill out the survey and turn it in. Because you need one more bag before you leave here, yeah. people. The women's, whoa, whoa, I'm moderator. <laughs> It is. Um, Maybe you should LifeWay Women's Leadership Event. Um, and there's some lovely ladies over here at um, Faith and Chris. Can you raise your hands? Oh, up high. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about this, you can corner them before they get out of here. But it's a women's leadership training event. And in its 20th year, Women's Forum offers the rare opportunity for leaders of all ages to gather in one location to share ideas, strategies, information, and inspiration. In 2015, you'll find specialized training that will equip women to lead no matter what their leadership calling looks like. Also, graciously provided by those folks over there, um, a digital version of Pete Wilson's latest Bible study, um, and it'll be emailed to you um, later this week. Okay? So, uh, talking about the opportunities network and train, um, some of you you see that as a huge value, but you also see it as an area where women need to take the initiative. Okay. Tell me about that. Well, um, I, I do think uh, all of us have an opportunity to grow and develop. Growth is a, it's a biblical truth. We should be growing all the time, uh, being transformed in his image. And I have an opportunity to, to uh, do a lot of mentoring with women. I'm really big on this. You need to own your own development. Uh, uh, you need to step into that. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're in a time where you have tons of resources. I've heard women talk about they feel victimized that they can't reach their full potential, and I like to just attack that head on. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you might can say that if you live in some parts of the world, but not here. And so you own your development. Know yourself. Uh, Know, know your strengths, your weaknesses. Uh, everything about who you are is a part of what you bring to the table. And you need to grow to reach your full potential. I think it's a stewardship that we have. The flip side of your strength is your weakness. Uh, I love the tools that we have uh, to, to know ourselves, but I say this all the time. Just because you have a certain personality, it doesn't give you permission to not be transformed in the image of Christ. We all have to die to ourselves. But step in, own your development. Uh, you you, you uh, take the initiative. Oh, I'm asked all the time, what's your favorite book to read? <laughs> and, I, and I like to say one of the- Christian one of, Standard Bible. That's right. <laughs> the Bible in it. Uh, own your development plan, and you need to have a development plan. You know, what's your development plan? One of those needs to be a woman, a person older than you, uh, that you are learning from. Uh, it's a great resource, but you also need someone younger than you that you're learning from. Uh, uh, so the people are a part of your development plan. And uh, there's a whole lot I could say there, but you own it. 
Uh, know yourself. Uh, one of the dangers we get into is we look at someone else and we want to be like them. Big problem. <laughs> you, have your, you have your giftedness. Your story uh, is so unique. I love to hear the stories of God's work in people's lives. And that story is a part of God's plan for you. And so know yourself, know, know the place that you have, and then you press forward to reach your full, full potential and the giftedness that God has you and the place that God has you. And, but own it, own it, and, uh, and I'd love to talk to you more about that, but um, it's big for me. Kind of wanted to add on to that because I think so many times when we do want to own uh, the development that we have, sometimes we kind of isolate ourselves yes. and not stay in a circle of people that are going to keep us accountable. Right. And so I know so many times as women, I mean, that's one of the things I'm constantly challenging us women to do, find somebody that's going to keep you accountable. It's like what you were saying, it's like having having a, a Paul, somebody that's going to pour into you, having a Barnabas that's, you know, somebody that's like-minded in, in your type of season of life, and then having a Timothy that you can then pour yourself into. But having those people around you so that they can see those blind spots that you don't want to see mm-hmm. that you keep covering up or <laughs> that you really don't understand that you are you know have these areas that you need to be more developed in and so um yeah that's, that's great you don't want a yes bunch of yes people around you right. you want people that are going to call you out Amen. <laughs> ask you the hard questions about how you're doing in your marriage uh you know people that know me i'm going to ask that question you know how's your marriage going and i'm going to get a little bit deeper and ask some other questions right. Uh, you need people around. You don't just need yes people that go, way to go, you're great. <laughs> you need people to say, How, what's God telling you in, in the word? Amen. Uh, I agree. That's a wonderful. I, I, I think the higher up and the older we get, it's hard for us to see ourselves sometimes. And it, as you mm-hmm. really mature, you should mature in the willingness to have people speak into your life. Yes. Um, so that's, um, I want to say one thing about, about the story. If your story is not perfect, Mm. That's your story. Mm-hmm. And, and even when I became a widow, I remember thinking and praying, asking God, let me steward this experience. It's not experience I wanted at all. But I had a stewardship of that. What am I going to do with that? And I don't care if it's a sin failure, right. a personal failure. Mm-hmm. You have to steward that. Amen. And that doesn't mean covering over and never talking about it because that's, right. that's part of who we are as leaders. If you, right. if you think we have to have perfect spiritual resumes, right. please don't because God uses our brokenness for his glory and Amen. redeems it. Amen. Good Just in the backdrop, Elizabeth Elliot that died. What an impact mm-hmm. she's had. She was a leader, mm-hmm. <laughs> influenced so many. Look at her story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we, you know, that's the truth of the gospel. God redeems everything for His glory. Amen. Everything, everything. And uh, uh, so you have a story. You have a place. Uh, I just challenge you. Step into that. The world needs it. That's right. uh, the world needs you. You. And what God has gifted you to do, your uh, story that He is. Uh, uh, I love. I love um, the Esther study. Part of our our history is a part of our destiny. <laughs> I love that. And uh, you have a history. You have th- that family story. That's part of God's calling in your life. So. I think that's so true, Selma, um, because a lot of times we want to look at other people yes. and we can say, oh, your look, story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look how God has worked in her life. Look yeah. how he's brought all these things into her life. And she's just so yes. wonderful. And, yes. you know, when you look at the Old Testament, one of the things I love about the Old Testament is people were constantly told, remember, mm-hmm. 
remember. But it wasn't remember the bad things that happened. It was remember what God has done. Over and over and over you see that. So I want to follow up on what they're saying and challenge each of us, myself included. Let's remember and let's look at our own story and see where God is putting us. You know, Lizette talked about my years as a software engineer. I have no doubt that those were things. It wasn't that I was disobedient to God and I should have been doing what I'm doing now, you know, 30 years ago. It's that that was part of my story and God teaching me and bringing me along the way. So look at yourself in that manner. Don't get so self-absorbed. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying look at what God has done in your life. Like the prophets of the Old Testament say was remember and see how God is weaving all of those factors into your life to place you where he's got you today based on how he's brought you to that point. I want, Denise, can you talk a little bit, um, because I think you and Alicia have um, interesting contrasting stories about the choice to do um, theological or biblical studies. So share a little bit about that part of your journey. You want me to tell the real story? (laughs) Well, in a paragraph or shorter, but yes. So Lizette called me and she said, "Um, so tell me about your decision to be theologically trained and I just started laughing I said I can't really tell you that story because it wasn't my choice (laughs) I didn't wake up and say oh my dream one day is to uh, you know go to seminary and and that kind of thing I was terrified of doing something like that but the Lord really made it clear in my life I was serving as the women's ministry leader at our church and the Lord really made it clear to me that that was the next step in life for me was to go and receive some formal training and I resisted for a year and a half. I mean, I seriously didn't want to do it. And I came to the point where uh, the Lord was just really revealed to me. I was in disobedience at that point because he had made his will very clear and I was refusing to follow it. So I bet your story's different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. um, So my husband at that time was working for the Bible college and he was like, man, would you ever want to go and get some more training in seminary? I'm like, well, yeah, but I mean, I don't think we have the money to do it. He's like, we're going to get a discount. And I said, well, sign me up because I want to do that so I had kind of wrong intentions at first but thankfully the Lord redeemed that and worked that out but um, in the process of that I just began to have a a burning desire to know God's word more deeper I mean where I'm from I'm from the inner inner city part of Kansas City I'm from the hood and people that grew up around me does not know the Bible like you know seminary people know the Bible. And so I kept saying, okay, God, I want to study your word in context. So when I'm meeting these ladies and they're throwing cliches out there and say, you know, Jesus this and Jesus that, but don't know the real Jesus, I want to be able to point them to that and and have a good understanding of that. And so when I when going there and, and getting the training, then I began to be able to use that, you know, being a pastor's wife and being able to lead Bible studies. And again, keeping people in context, helping them understand, you know, why the importance of studying scripture in context and the beauty of it. And I mean, I found so much um, joy in doing that and, and helping people be enlightened by God's word and seeing the transformation come from that. I mean, that to me was more, it was worth it. It was worth signing up and getting the discount. So. <laughs> I first met her about three and a half years ago. I met she and DA had Panera Bread in Kansas City one time. And I mean, the, her commitment to scripture was so evident at that point. One of the first, my biggest takeaway for her. And so she, it's just such a deep passion that just comes out of you. It really does. So Kathy, I want to bring you in here um, for the reality check is getting for women, getting a theological education, a get rich quick scheme. <laughs> 
Yes, all the pastors that have theological training are rich. They're all rich. This is great. So this is like a really tricky question. Yes, it is. No, 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 no. Dialing back to what you were talking about, the reality check. Yeah. You know that the things that you need to think about. Well, I'm going to keep remind you. I was single for a while and needed a job. And some women that do theological training don't have a job option. And sometimes the jobs are hard to find if you have to pay the bills. If you're working because and you're, there's another income coming into your home, it's just a different thing. But I've been a single woman that needed a job. And if you've got a, a master's degree in biblical studies and you need a job, it might be challenging to find a job that would create a living for you in our world. So, uh, and, and that's a reality, yeah, and I don't think anybody denies that. Right. And, and I think that's just one of the things is, is we discuss that, that we want to make sure that as, as we talk about things, and we're very excited about theological education, and even at the different stages that we have journeyed on this, I get more and more excited about it. Um, but I also think back to, to owning your own development, look at the multiple options, because as I talk to these women, I see women who have a commitment to education, to scripture, to training, but also to practical skills. And so what are some of the skills uh, that you all see, just whether they learn it through school or just get training out there, what are some of the skills you all see women needing to master? Well, well um, I do think the, the giftedness and, and, and skill development is as, as unique as you are. But here's some broad things that I think are, are helpful in the market that we're in today. I heard a, I heard a futurist say, that, say this, and it really clicked with me. What, what, are this, what are the skills that you need to succeed in the marketplace? So we're talking about uh, more the business side in the marketplace development. It was real interesting. It said three things. One, the ability to communicate, both written and verbal. So anything that you can do to shore up those skills in your life will be helpful, no matter what your sphere of influence. So that's one. Second is just the ability to deal with change. I mean, we're, we're in a pace of change uh, today that is accelerating. Uh, uh, reading a lot on the digital impact of uh, the marketplace we're in and I heard a, a digital leader say whatever we felt in the last five years is going to be nothing compared to what we're going to feel in the next so it is here and it's speed <laughs> so whatever that means in your life to shore up on change management and what that means for you and, and, and the beautiful thing about us as kingdom women we are anchored on a solid foundation <laughs> Uh, uh, so, but, but that is so important. Third is the ability to deal with people. I love it when I, when the Miss Futurist said this, I thought that's so gospel centered. You know, everything that we do is about people. And Kathy said something earlier, I do think, uh, and I'm making broad statements because we're all di gifted differently, but one of the, one of the contributions we make as women to the conversation about kingdom work is God has made us very relational. Uh, we see people through a different lens, and, and that is so important, but uh, people skills, a lot's been written in the business world about emotional intelligence. Uh, read a couple of those articles, fascinating. I think we as women feel things. We have a giftedness of emotional intelligence that is very valuable at a leadership table. So those three things I'd say was at broad-based. Um, 
definitely uh, mobile skills uh, in a mobile uh, environment. Everything about technology is so important. You can teach us all. Uh, uh, but, uh, but anyway, those are some things I like to say. Add that to your development list. Communication, ability to, uh, to deal with people. Uh, huge. I don't know if you've ever said that. If it wasn't for all the people, I could be real spiritual. I mean, uh, uh, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, but then uh, just um, uh, your own ability to deal with change and to lead into change and to be constantly developing and growing and not resisting change. Any final I, thoughts? Well, yeah, yeah, I want to add one more thing to the list that go along with the emotional IQ is cultural IQ. Yes, yeah. The right. culture is changing so rapidly. And I see this as I'm all across. There's some parts of our America that are not as clued in about the cultural shifts, not just ethnically, morally, you name it, spiritually. And if you lose touch with what's genuinely happening in the culture, you can't communicate to them anymore. And it's not about embracing all of the degenerative part of the culture, but if you're clueless, but especially ethnically, especially ethnically, we cannot uh, try to communicate in a way that only makes sense to our maybe mm. white experience. So cultural IQ is very important. Thank you. I would also add, um, and so in Philippians 2, it tells us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but consider others more significant than yourself. So when you think about that, you could be killing it with having the best skills in the workforce or at home, but if you don't have humility and humbleness in your heart before the Lord, it's not going to be anything. You know. So don't try to place your significance in things that are fleeting, but really value the things that are eternal that God has placed in your lap.